Hello and welcome to livealittlehigher.com. We're approaching the holiday of Rosh Hashanah and uh, these last days in which we're in right now are days filled with, uh, with trepidation, with awe, are days in which we're trying to pack in as many mitzvot as we can. We're trying to be the best we can be at this moment in our time. And, um, and we need to understand what Rosh Hashanah really is, what this day really encapsulates. And, um, and the idea of Rosh Hashanah as the day in which we coronate our king, eh, the God, the king of the universe, is the strangest and hardest thing for us to accept and to do, especially when we come from societies that are very liberal-minded and very open and people uh, are brought up thinking of, uh, think about yourself, uh, you can do it. All these um, philosophy of human supremacy really uh, confuses us and it makes it very hard to really come and accept the sovereignty of God. So this idea, nevertheless, for the Jews is an essential idea. It's something that it's uh, primordial in, in the Jewish psyche, in the way in which we live. If a Jew doesn't have this concept ingrained in him, then it's very hard to connect to his inner essence. And Rosh Hashanah is really, is the day in which we come to recognize that Hashem is the only true judge in this world and that the whole world runs because this is his desire. Uh, it's not only the day in which we coronate God, it's a day of judgment in which we're all being judged. And it's also the birthday of humanity. This is the day in which Adam HaVishon was made, in which Hashem blew into the first man a breath of life. And it's a day to recognize that we're, we're really made in His image and that Hashem's greatness is also imbued in, in every one of us. Every person in this world was created in Hashem's image. And so we do have this divinity within us. And when we coronate God, when we recognize that He's the absolute authority, who rules over every aspect of our lives. And you know, we see there's a hurricane here coming, there's an earthquake here coming. We see that who runs the world, who really is the king, and we have no control of these things in the world. We come to really recognize that God is not only the king who rules over all humanity, but also he is a merciful Father. So in, in Rosh Hashanah, we say, Avinu Malkeinu. Avinu, my father, my king. First he's our father and then he's our king. And so this is paradox paradoxical because on one way we have to have trepidation and awe, it's a day of awe, it's a day in which we're like standing like sheep and they're opening our books and they're looking at us. And on another way, we can also feel this love of God towards us, how he sustains the world every moment. Every, every second of the day, he's recreating the world. On Rosh Hashanah, the energy of this year is sucked in, it leaves the world, and we're left in a catatonic state for a while until the shofar is blown. And at that moment, the new energy comes into the world. It's a high energy. It's an energy of more strength and more purity. Every year, the, the energy of the world 
becomes better. So in the book of uh, Rabbi da Daniel Gladstein, it's a, a beautiful book, it's called The Mystery and the Majesty, in which he explains the, the Yamin Noraim, he explains the, the holidays from Rosh Hashanah, actually from the month of Elul, Rosh Hashanah, the 10 days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur, and then he goes into Sukkot and Simhas Torah. Here, he tells us something very interesting about how we should approach the, the prayer in Rosh Hashanah, how we should approach the king. So he tells, he says that Rabbi Itzhak Melstein, who wrote the Sidur Hagra, he poses a question that is extremely fundamental to understand the objective of our tefillas on Rosh Hashanah, to understand what we're praying for. Okay, so it's two days in which people are immersed in the synagogue and we pray and we pray and we pray in the Maxor, which is a special book that is designed for Rosh Hashanah. And we have all these prayers. So this is the day of judgment. And the question is, why is our prayer focused only on carrying the burden, carrying the yoke of heaven in our shoulders? And in, instead of, be, of being a day that we're praying or we're focusing more on prayers for good health and children and parnasas, sustenance, or again, we're also doing teshuva. So why are we not praying for Hashem to forgive us, for mehila, and for being able to um, be forgiven? So Rav Meltzen says, why are we so focused on, on praying to God, of coronating God and making Hashem grandiose on this day, instead of praying for our needs? So the, the question is, aren't we ignoring our needs on, on such an important day? So the answer he gives is that on Rosh Hashanah, we definitely we, we would want to daven for our needs. We for sure would like to pray for all our needs. Um, and uh, obviously, but there's something more that they, those two days that are, that is even more, it's greater. And this is the way that we have to really look at prayer on these two days, which trans transcends our personal needs. So we should really concentrate on Rosh Hashanah on Hashem's pain. We shouldn't be so focused on what I need. I should be more focused on what God needs. And, um, and we, we should see that Hashem, so to speak, right now in this exile that we've been going through for the last thousand years, he has no home. So yes, imagine he's homeless. So he needs more than we do. So he says that therefore Hassan, our sages, instructed us to focus first and foremost on restoring the honor to God, the honor to the Shekhinah, and the honor to heaven, and making sure that Hashem's needs, so to speak, are addressed. And we ask for only the bare minimum of our needs on Rosh Hashanah, and we ask only for life. This is what the, the prayer also is focused on, is that we, we pray for Sahreinu Lechaim, that we pray for life. And even then, our tefillah is framed in the intention to bring more honor to God. 
and with the life, with our life. And this is the way in which we bring honor to Hashem, is through the way in which we conduct ourselves in our lives and the way that we live. This is the biggest, biggest blessing that a person can give to God. So we would grant us, we say, we ask for life only so that we can serve our Creator. This is the only reason we ask for another year of life. Not so we can keep on going the way we go, but to be able to serve Hashem. So we focus our prayers on Rosh Hashanah on asking God to make His name and honor revealed and manifest throughout the entire world. When we put our needs on the back burner and focus on asking for the Kavot Shamayim, for the honor of heaven to be magnified, the angels, the prosecuting angels, remember that day we have these books are open, everybody's book is open and they're all looking into our ear and how we conducted ourselves. The moment that we take ourselves out of the picture and what we put the emphasis on and we're really worried about is about God, we're worried about bringing kavod, bringing honor to Hashem instead of my money, my children, my health, right? We, we put this on aside and we focus more on what Hashem needs. Then these this prosecuting angels lose all their, all their capacities to judge the people. And, uh, and we learn from this that, uh, that when we pray, when we pray for other people's needs first before our own, also our prayers are answered before they're answered to them. And, um, and furthermore, says Rav Meltzer, we can apply this principle to call hamispalel bad havero vehut sorech one who davens for a friend while simultaneously having similar unmet needs of his own will be answered first. So when we, when we pray on Rosh Hashanah, it doesn't mean that we neglect ourselves. This is not what we're doing. It's not like, okay, it doesn't matter if I don't have a job. It doesn't matter if my health is not so good. It doesn't matter I don't have a, uh, I didn't find my shidduch this year. No. This is not what we're doing. What we're doing is, is that we're giving the emphasis to Hashem. We're putting ourselves in the, in the back seat. We're praying for God's glory. And in that way, Hashem's glory really is our glory. His glory is your glory. So when you have money, when you have children, when you have good health, when you're living a, a righteous Jewish life, or, or, or a righteous life in which you're not stealing, you're not killing, you're a, a God-fearing human being, then you are giving importance to God. So Moshe Haim Lusato writes, this is the Ramhal, that the mechanism and the dynamic of how creation is set up as such, that when Hashem's authority is known and recognized by mankind, all good and prosperity exist in the world. Blessing is increased and the world abides in peace. So what it says is that when we are worried about bringing honor to God in our lives, when we do everything in our lives, because this brings kavod to my, to my king, for example, Jewish women dress in a certain way, okay, I'm not gonna wear a certain dress because it doesn't bring honor to the king. I dress in a way that brings honor to my creator right? Or I eat in a way that brings honor to my creator. All these things, I treat people in a way that brings honor to my creator. When a person lives his life with this in his head, when his mindset is this, then goodness 
goodness in the world will prevail. It will be the, the, the evil in the world, the darkness of the world will, will dissipate. And so based on this principle of the Ramhal, we can understand to the focus of the prayer in Rosh Hashanah on the day of judgment, where it says, and so grant that you are, and, and so grant that your awe, Hashem our God, be upon all your works and your dread upon all you have created. And then all your work, works will fear you and prostrate before you. And you, Hashem, will reign alone over all your works. And so when Hashem's malchut, when his, when his kingship is recognized and his glory is revealed, what will naturally follow for all goodness and peace, blessing, tranquility, light, and holiness. This is the secret to having a, 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 the world that Hashem envisions. When we live a life in which we're worried, it really bothers us to do things or say things that will really diminish Hashem's greatness. When you do a Hilul Hashem, you desecrate the name of God instead of doing a, a, a Kiddush Hashem in which you're revealing the greatness of Hashem through your actions, then this is what really brings the, the holiness in the world. So one of the prayers on Rosh Hashanah that is a very important prayer that we read on the first day of Rosh Hashanah actually is, uh, is the Haftarah of the first day of Rosh Hashanah is the story of Hannah. And who was Hannah? Hannah was uh, a woman that was, was the wife of Elkanah. She was, a, his, he had two wives actually. He had a wife called Pinina and another wife called Hannah. Hannah was his favorite wife, but Hannah was not able to bear children. And it came to a point where she couldn't handle it anymore. And she traveled to Shiloh on Rosh Hashanah. She went, went to Shiloh where the Mishkan stood and he went and she went and he pray, and she prayed there. And from this uh, Haftarah, from this act of, of, of Hannah, how she prayed on Rosh Hashanah, really is the whole basis of our prayer. The, from here we learn how to pray. And she came to Shiloh, she was a barren woman, and she came and she prayed and she looked like she was drunk from prayer. The way she prayed, the way, because she was swaying and moving and crying and she was, she looked like a drunken woman and it says, the Haftarah tells us that she came there and there was the prophet Eliyahu. And when he saw her, she, he said to her, like, this is not the proper way to pray. Like, you look like a, like a drunk. No, no, nobody is gonna, is, is gonna come and, 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 and uh, Hashem is not gonna answer your prayers like this. He said, she was pleading to have this child. And when Eli asked her, how long have you been drunk? And, and here we see that she, looked, she said to him, I'm not drunk, I'm just praying out of, this, of, of pain, that I'm praying to God, that I'm pouring my soul to him, that I, I, I'm asking him, begging him for a child, but I'm not asking him for a child for my own needs to be a mother, I'm asking him for a child so I can honor him through this child so I can uh, consecrate this child to God. And from here, we see the Talmud tells us that, uh, that Eli accepted her prayer and he said to her, go in peace and God of Israel will give you the request you ask. 
For in other words, he agreed with Hannah's mode of prayer, asking for her soul's desires. And it came to be that she had her son Shmuel, who became a prophet. This Shmuel, that when he was born, she weaned him at three years old, and then she took him up to Shiloh and gave him to Eli, so he would be nurtured in the, in the Mishkan. So we see from her prayer that her prayer was not an empty prayer about self-satisfaction, about her own needs. She was praying because if she didn't have a child to give to God, then what was her whole purpose of life? Like, it, it is not for me, God. It is for your honor. How can I live, go through my life without giving you a child? And this is the way that we have to pray to God. This is what we have to learn, that when we have needs when we are in a moment of in our lives that we need health we need children we need a, a partner in our lives we need money we shouldn't pray god give me give me give me give me it's not a shopping list you know but you should give, pray to him in a way in which you're saying hashem i want to honor you with money i want to be able to give tzedakah with this money i want to be able to show the world uh, your, your countenance by helping others. It's not for my own needs. It's not for my own satisfaction. It's to bring satisfaction to you. So why do we have children? Uh, they're just like satisfaction for us. They bring us satisfaction. Or do we bring children into this world to, to raise up honest, beautiful people that will make the, the world a better place? That's the question. Why do we do the things we do? Do I eat to satisfy my, my taste buds and, and, and have pleasure from the food? Or do I eat to have energy to be able to, to, to honor Hashem in a right way, to have, be healthy, have energy, be able to learn Torah, be able to have the energy I need to work, the energy I need to raise my family, the energy I need to, to be able to, to do mitzvot. Without energy, you can't do anything. So the, the whole idea of the prayer of Rosh Hashanah is not that we forget about ourselves. We don't forget about ourselves, but we remember God. And that's the difference. Every day of the year, we're thinking about ourselves. But on Rosh Hashanah, we come and we remember God. We say, no, no, everything I do, everything I need, everything I am is really because I want to bring kavod. I want to bring honor to God. So one of the prayers that we say that is such an important prayer is that we say, that we say remember us for life, O King who desires life, and inscribe us in the book of your life, of life for your sake, O living God. So we're not saying, Hashem, give me one more year to live because I want to stay in this world. No, we're saying, Hashem, keep me living. I want to live because for your sake, for your sake, not for my sake, for your sake. So when we pray for life, we emphasize that we're not referring merely to a biological life, which every human being desires and for which we will give everything a person has, like a person would give all his money in order to be cured from a disease. But we pray, we pray, you king, you king, you desire that I live. This is why I want you to grant me life because you desire that I live. And, I, and you desire that my life will be a life that is filled with accomplishments and it's not a, a life of vanity and it's not a life that's being wasted. 
and we beseech that you inscribe us in the book of life for your sake grant us life which we will use for your sake Hashem and this is what the whole purpose is that we live a life of meaning that we live a life of purpose that we ask God to help us in our ways that he should give us the tools and the, and the ability to be able to want to serve him it's a gift it's a gift not everybody gets that but we pray that day for that and I and I really want to wish everybody a blessed blessed new year you should have Gemar Hatimatova. you should be inscribed in the book of life for many years to come and that Hashem grants you this year uh, everything everything you need in order to be able to live the best life the best life for you and for Hashem and for all Klal Israel and for all humanity so have a blessed week and remember live a little higher thank you